Welcome to MedTech for Beginners. This podcast series is designed for people who innovate within NHS and private sector healthcare organisations or in the care sector, students wanting to enter pharma or medtech sales or any commercial function within pharmaceutical or medtech environment, researchers creating innovative products for healthcare, healthcare entrepreneurs in small businesses, and overseas companies wanting to enter the UK market. I am your host, Kate Pym, Managing Director of Pym's Consultancy Limited and NHS Market Access Specialist for over 20 years. Hi, my name's Kate Pym, and I'm Managing Director of Pym's Consultancy Limited. I have a background of 25 years of commercializing products in medtech and pharmaceutical industry, as well as uh, working in social care uh, to commercialize new services within that arena. I work directly with clients and also lead a team of associates who all specialize in different aspects of commercialization in health and care, from regulatory to face-to-face sales and bid writing. And I'm here today with Kerry Lummis. Hello, everyone. I'm Kerry, um, Kerry Lummis of Lummis Virtual Solutions. I'm a virtual assistant or virtual PA, which means I support clients with their admin and help ensure that they keep organised, on track, and that nothing slips through the net. And I'm here today because PIMS Consultancy is one of my clients, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Kate just to give her somebody to bounce off, somebody to ask her questions and uh, to make sure that we stay on track. So, Kate, shall we start off, first of all, with a little bit of background information about you and about why we're doing this? Yeah, so um, I'm here today to do a podcast because I feel quite often I get a lot of questions at meetings, through the website and online about general information surrounding entering uh, entering markets in UK health and care. There's a lot of people out there wanting to come into this arena. It's very complex. It's a different language. It's a different culture. And there's an awful lot to learn. While at the same time, people are trying to bring new innovations, set up businesses, uh, build new products. There's an awful lot going on for them. So this podcast is to help people in that circumstance who are thinking about bringing new products and services to market and don't really know where to start. (laughs) Well, first of all, I can vouch for what you say about it being a different language. I know since we've uh, started working together, I've learned all kinds of acronyms about the health and care industry. And uh, sometimes, yes, I can vouch. I do think you're talking a different language to me. First of all, shall we talk about your background and why you set up your business in the first place? So I set up my business after working in the pharma and uh, social care industry for many years. Uh, Being a top performer in every company that I've ever worked in, that includes AstraZeneca, Baxter Healthcare, um, Allergan Inc. And I felt that smaller businesses needed some support Um, to have the same sort of knowledge and experience that I have gained through my background with big pharma and big industry uh, to help smaller businesses to be able to compete in this very challenging environment. So so those companies that you work for, they're all quite large businesses, aren't they, corporates? But with PIMS Consultancy, you focus on smaller businesses. 
I guess you've touched on some of that there, that the financial challenges there. Do you want to just expand a little bit more on that as to why you focus more on smaller businesses? So smaller businesses are really up against it. Uh, The individuals who set them up are usually innovators and entrepreneurs, and they find it very difficult to have to wear so many hats all at the same time. So they've got to be the marketer. They've got to be the. They've got to be the person getting funding. Uh, they've got to do pitches to multiple investment opportunities. They've got to write tenders and grant applications. They've got to speak to clinicians and people that might be using and buying their products, and all at the same time, actually understand who these people are, what they do, why they do it, what's important to them. And if you're in Big Pharma, you have somebody that comes along and tells you all this stuff. You have somebody that puts together a training program to explain how to sell your product most effectively. They will also explain to you what the market is that you're entering and who the most important people are to speak to. If you're in a a startup business doing it all for yourself... How do you get all of this information that is actually spoon-fed to reps in bigger industry? So I think that there's a there's a real need, and it's proven to be the case as the business has been thriving now for eight years. There's a need to be able to support innovators and entrepreneurs to be able to have that knowledge base and that information to hand to help them get the sales they need to keep their businesses running well and to enter markets for the first time. And I should imagine from everything that you, you've you said there, Kate, that the financial side of things, th- that kind of support is one of the big ones to the small company or the small innovator. Do you get involved at all in helping them source funds? Do Do you get involved in writing tenders, for example? Yes, so I get involved in lots of ways in helping businesses find money. Apart from knowing some key uh, potential investors and investment groups. Uh, The main thing that I get involved with is bid writing for grants and also for public sector opportunities. Um, Again, it's something, if you've never done it, you don't know how to answer these questions. You don't know how to find them in the first place. You don't know how to enter a portal. You don't know how to submit a question to the commissioners. So there's an awful lot that people don't know. And I feel it's very much part of my function to help them navigate all of this stuff. So yes, uh, I do. And so do many of my associates help with bids uh, for grants and for public sector. So what's the the value of the largest single tender that you've been involved in? The largest single tender that I've been involved in was for £800 million, which was successful. Excellent. And and what about grant funding? What grant funding have you won? So um, I've worked on lots of different grant applications and the funding uh, that I win uh, or I help my clients to win, should I say, um, is um, anywhere from the range of tens of thousands of pounds um, up to um, millions of pounds. So uh, during the Connecting Capabilities Fund um, 
opportunity round that went out. We supported three different groups of universities uh, to write applications for funding. Each applied for just under £5 million and each one was successful. Excellent. So you mentioned universities. What what other types of of organisations do you work with? So I work with multiple universities, particularly um, involving some of the higher level universities in the Russell Group. Um, but also I work with uh, spin-out companies, innovators and individuals. Um, sometimes the companies will work in another industry, for example, in the defence industry, and they're bringing technology into healthcare. Um, and sometimes uh, they are like even a man, in, I've literally had a man in a shed um, who had an idea on a piece of paper and then took it to um, be 3D printed. So it very much depends on the innovation, what people are needing and who they are. If it's a man in a shed, I do tend to work through some of the organisations that um, I am on panels or approved suppliers for where there's some grant funding for them to access my services, uh, such as Keel University Business Bridge or um, the University of Warwick uh, Science Park. Uh, they've also got a an opportunity uh, to support businesses looking for um, consultants and mentors. So your clients are really quite diverse then, aren't they? What, what is it that you actually do for them? How, how do you support them? And then how early in the process do you like to get involved? So I like to get involved as early as possible, but only to a degree. I can't help selling something that doesn't exist yet. Uh, if people come too early, I will give them free advice about what they need to do before they come back to me. I don't like to waste their money. As I've already said, it's it's hard to get um, and you have to spend it wisely. So I like to work with companies where they've got a product. Hopefully, they have IP, they've protected their intellectual property called IP. If they haven't, I will direct them to someone that can help them with that. Then what we can look at is how we take that product to market. Are they already in the market? Have they already got some customers? I work with people in that position, but also I work with those who say, we've got this product, this service, we want to bring it to the market for the first time. And I help with the whole process of product launch, usually with soft launches, Um, And we look at everything uh, from um, the value proposition, what makes their product special, how we talk about their product to different types of customers, identifying who their customer base is, looking at market access planning, deciding which different sector of the NHS they should go in through. So the NHS consists of over 40,000 different organisations. So if you're coming from outside of the NHS and you haven't worked with them before, how do you know which organisations to go to? How do you know which group of organisations to start with? And then within that group of organisations, which ones are the most likely to be important to you? For instance, most people come to me and tell me they're going to sell a product or service to um, the NHS through GP practices, which usually makes me laugh, to be honest, because 
most people don't appreciate the GP practices are all small businesses. They're not actually part of the NHS. They have individual contracts to provide to the NHS. So if you're asking a GP to buy something, you're actually taking something out of his back pocket to pay for it. So they are usually the last place I go to, but very frequently the first place that clients suggest they should go to. I remember you saying that before about GB practices, actually. I think a lot of people perhaps wouldn't wouldn't realise that. So, so that's one mistake that you see. Are there any other sort of rookie errors that you see people making? So number one rookie error is the mum test. The mum test. <laughs> yeah, the mum, the mum test. test. <laughs> so the mum test is, I've got this fantastic idea or this fantastic product and I've shown it to my mum and she says it's great. So I'm sure it's going to be a success. Very supportive mum, but um, yeah, maybe not completely impartial. <laughs> so that's very true. <laughs> so what should people do before they invest their hard-earned money and time into their new product or service? They should actually go out and start speaking to people. All too often, I see people solving uh, problems that don't exist. Or if they do exist, they're not really that important. So nobody's going to invest money in purchasing their solution. So to start with, I always recommend that um, that they go to uh, the environment that they are proposing to sell into and they speak to as many people as possible. So first of all, find out, is this really a problem? That's number one. I've seen such and such is a problem and is this something that you're aware of and what do you think the impact is? Now, what you can get is they'll say, yes, I've seen it. Yes, I know it happens, but actually it's far more important to get down waiting lists on hip replacements right now and we're really not interested in that sort of thing. Um, Or it could be that in the, the smaller environment that when you actually come down to clinic level, that again, there's something far more important that they want to deal with. Um, So the money wouldn't be available. The other thing worth doing is to actually talk to uh, people across what we call the patient pathway. So the patient pathway is from when the patient first presents, so they first go to see a doctor and, and say, or a doctor or a nurse or wherever they've gone to say, I think I've got something wrong with me. So what is that pathway that that patient takes from then on? And who makes the diagnoses and how does the diagnoses impact on the patient? And then what happens from then on? So we have to think about all of the different stakeholders in this pathway. Obviously, the patient is a stakeholder. The person that refers them to the service that is going to treat them is a stakeholder. The organisations that commission, which means purchasing those services, they're stakeholders. The other stakeholders are actually going to be the people involved in using that product with the patient. So that could be a nurse, it could be a doctor, it could be a radiologist or a radiographer, it could be any healthcare professional. So the range of stakeholders that you're dealing with is quite substantial and you need to be able to understand who they are. And once you understand who they are, what's important to them as individuals? 
So you could be going and telling them that, you know, this will make patients feel so much happier and better in themselves. And the, their answer will be, yes, but I actually want them to um, have be signed off the books in three weeks. And this is going to take three weeks in one day. They might be happier, but I've had an extra day on my books, which is going to cost more money. So it's very much about identifying who those people are why this product might be important and how you are going to target them as individuals with a specific value proposition for your product. So are there any examples that you can share with us about what you've been describing about somebody who they had an idea or an innovation and it just missed the mark? So I got a call once from uh, somebody that wanted to refer an individual to me and their idea uh, was to to create a pill cutter because I think they had a background in pharmacy and they said patients complain that they can't swallow pills. So I've invented something that will cut your pill in half so it makes it easier to swallow. So you think, well, that's, that's a great idea. While I was talking to the person wanting to make that referral to my services, I was looking on Google um, I found several pages on Google of pill cutters. Uh, and within those pages, there were multiple options starting at about £2. And this particular innovation was going to be costing around 10 So within the space of that phone conversation, I actually established that it was a very crowded market. It wasn't innovative. There was nothing new in it. It was going to be too expensive for the current market and it would be unlikely to sell because it would be unlikely to enter in that structure. So in that particular occasion, I suggested that they spend their money elsewhere rather than investing their house in something that was not going to sell. I guess that's the kind of thing that's obvious once you... Once you come through the other side and, and once you know, but in the excitement of the moment with your bright idea then, yeah, not so obvious, I can imagine. Yeah, but it's a simple thing to do a Google search. Yeah. You think you've got a great idea. So before you charge off and find a designer and find a, a prototype developer, actually just do a bit of a Google and <laughs> see, does this already exist? Am I reinventing the wheel? Thank you for listening to the first episode of MedTech for Beginners. The next episode will be a continuation of this recording between myself and Kerry. But if you'd like to find out more about PIMS Consultancy and the services that we offer, please search for www.pimsconsultancy.co.uk. Thank you again for listening and we hope you'll join us in episode two. After episode two, you will find that all of the future episodes will involve discussions with other experts in the field of innovation in health and care. Thanks again. Bye.